Today on the pod, I have Marine veteran John Majors. John talks about his message for kids that want to join, remaining close with those he served with, and protecting President Ronald Reagan. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to the Bases Loaded Podcast. I'm your host, Gabe Kennedy, and today my guest is John Majors. John, how's it going, man? Good, Gabe. How are you? Fantastic. So how old are you and what's your current profession? Uh, Next month, I will be 55 years old, and I've been in law enforcement for 28 years and four years in the Marine Corps. Good deal. Um, So as a Marine, uh, what, what jobs did you do while you were in the service? The, I went to boot camp and then uh, in boot camp, I had signed up uh, prior and delayed entry for military police. And at that point, back in 84, MP school was in San Antonio, Texas at Lackland Air Force Base. So I spent uh, September to December in boot camp uh, from January till end of March in San Antonio. And during that time in Texas, the chief warrant officer of security came down to the school and was looking for volunteers for a unit called HMX-1, which HMX stands for Helicopter Marine Experimental. And it actually started back uh, December 1st of 1947. And the unit originally was for testing and evaluation of helicopters. So any new type of aircraft that they would get in as far as uh, rotary, they were in charge of testing and then putting into production and a lot of the stuff that they learned from that they used uh, starting in Vietnam. Uh, the way we came into it as far as presidential support, which I'll um, get into, but uh, on September 7th of 1957, uh, President Eisenhower was in uh, Newport, Rhode Island, and he had to get back to the White House and to take the ferry back and then motorcade back, it was gonna take a lot longer. And they actually had an army helicopter that flew him and he was able to get back a lot quicker. And then they discussed as far as, you know, hey, maybe uh, we should start using helicopters for transportation. So for a while, HMX-1, they were still doing the testing and evaluation, but then they also started doing the presidential support. And they were doing it with the army for a while and then uh, the Marine Corps finally took over and they no longer shared it. So HMX-1 was an experimental unit, but they were looking for security for the presidential helicopter, uh, which transports the president, vice president, heads of state. So I went and uh, was interviewed for that. And I believe they picked six of us at that time. And then from uh, after graduating MP school, we then went to uh, Quantico, Virginia, where the unit's based out of. So once I got there, you have to get a top secret clearance with what they call Yankee White Access, which is one of the highest accesses. And once you get your clearance, then you get to actually work inside the hangars and travel with the helicopters. And luckily for me, being from a small town and not traveling around a lot uh, growing up, I had my clearance in just a few months and then started working and uh, traveling with the president and uh, his entourage. (laughs) So is that something, did you realize when you were doing it, like how awesome it was, or was it later on that you're looking back like, holy smokes, man, that was pretty cool. Well, the, you know, to get into it, um, like when we had first talked, it's funny because on my, 
my DD-214, which is our, when you get out of the military, they give you your, it's called a DD-214, which breaks down everything that you did. And I had, uh, I was a military policeman and my secondary MOS then was military, um, I'm sorry, presidential support specialist. Yet for three and a half years as an MP, I never drove a MP car, never pulled anything, anybody over, never did anything law enforcement related. It was all, <laughs> um, so that was kind of of uh, different. But um, when I got down there, it's, you know, after a while, it's just kind of a job. As when I was in, every everybody in the military, regardless of the branch, has a job to do. And, you know, that job wasn't anything different. But once the first few times when you're actually doing the lifts and drops and and you're traveling and you're, you're interacting with uh, the different people and the, the political side of it. Looking back now, it was, it was, um, yeah, I was pretty fortunate to be able to do something like that and to have the, the memories and all. But at the time, you know, I, I wasn't into politics. I was just basically doing my job and, and uh, that's kind of the way I looked at it at the time. But as I say, you're, you're protecting the most important human being in the world. It, it's got to be nerve-wracking, right? Were you nervous? Because you were a young well, guy. The thing was, we, like I tell a lot of people, we guarded the helicopter. You know, our job was basically security for the helicopter 24-7. And we would also do the ceremonial part when you ever, whenever you see the black and, or I'm sorry, green and white helicopter uh, flying in and out of D.C. or on any trips. There's always a guard and you'll have a crew chief that, that flies on board. Uh, as far as the guard though, we're armed and our job is to protect the helicopter. And of course the secret service is there to protect the president, but we're close enough if things would, uh, would go on. Um, luckily, nothing like that ever happened uh, during the time I was in. It's uh, everything for the most part went uh, pretty smooth. But uh, like I said, when you do it after a while and it just become, becomes a, a normal job, other people when they, they hear about it, they think it's pretty cool and it was. Uh, and it's a lot of good memories, but it was a lot of long hours, a lot of traveling. So you were actually uh, there when President Reagan made one of his uh, famous speeches, correct? Yeah, the one, uh, it was funny when President Reagan passed away, I was going through some stuff. And uh, a lot of it on TV, they were showing where he would, he was, uh, made the speech uh, to uh, Russia about Mr. Gorbachev tear down this wall. And I was actually looking through some of my stuff and I had a certificate from the White House for that trip that, that uh, he went to several different places when we were overseas. And I was kind of looking through my stuff in my logbook, and I'm like, well, I was on that trip when he made that speech. I mean, I wasn't there at the site, but I was on that trip uh, that he did. It was just kind of looking back, you don't even realize some of the stuff. Wow. So why did you uh, choose to join? Was there any turning point in your life or maybe a specific event? Well, when I was growing up, um, you know, being from Shelby and all, it was a smaller town. And most of the people that I graduated with, you either went to college, uh, you stayed around Shelby and, and found a, a job at one of the factories, which at the time, a lot of them were shutting down in the mid 80s, like a lot of other towns. Uh, or if you're not college material, then you look towards the military. So I chose the military aspect because at that time, I really don't think I would have uh, been uh, a real good college student. So what uh, would you say were some pros and cons of your time being a Marine? Well, as far as, I mean, obviously with the uh, being a veteran, with veteran status, if you're taking a civil service test for a job, uh, you know, things like that, that'll bump you up. 
um, and the benefits as far as uh, medical, you know, you can go to the VA, that sort of thing. So there's always the, the military aspect of it as far as, um, as you get older. The, as far as the pros getting out is with the, with the benefits as a veteran that comes with the jobs and that sort of thing. The mm-hmm. first part probably, you know, a lot of people don't realize in the military, it's not necessarily a nine to five job. It's not a 40 hour a week job. I mean, it's mission oriented and you could put in a hundred hours and your paycheck's going to be the same. And it's, you know, in our case uh, with a lot of the guys at our unit, it's a lot of traveling, a lot of living out of a suitcase and you get kind of burned out on it. I mean, you're young and, and uh, you know, the stuff's, you know, fun for a while, but if you have a family uh, responsibilities, that sort of thing. And that's like, at, I think in any military jobs, a lot, uh, you get deployed, um, you know, you get settled in for a few years somewhere and then they ship you somewhere else. I think that's always going to be the worst part with the military if you, you know, get to the point where you want to be settled down. So why is it, uh, you know, the, the guys, the uh, former uh, Marines that I've talked to so far, they're always saying how the Marine Corps is getting kind of hand-me-downs. Uh, can you explain that a little bit? Well, one thing, the Marine Corps is the s- smallest branch of the service. We have the, the smallest budget. And when we get stuff at my unit, which it's changed a lot, they've actually, I, we have a reunion every five years. I've gone to the past couple ones. And the old hangars that we used to have that were built way back in the, the 40s and 50s, they're tore down. They've got new hangars, uh, new barracks. So it's a lot of that's been, been updated. Uh, but at the time, and I'm sure even with their gear, a lot of that doesn't change, but we'd get a vehicle in that was new to us but that was after the Air Force got it, and then the Army got it, and then we <laughs> had like 80,000 miles on it, and we were all excited because it was a brand new vehicle to us. So in the Marine Corps, there's just an old saying, you got to make do with what you got, kind of make it last, and and uh, you get somebody else's old stuff, and you just improvise, and, and you get it going. So that's always just been kind of one of the one of the things, I guess. So for you personally, uh, how, how would you say that being in the military has helped you out in your civilian life? Um, yeah, there's always good and bad to that, I guess. I, th- I think as far as with being in the military and the, the fact that the discipline of it, you know, showing up on time, being ready uh, to go, taking care of your equipment, especially in law enforcement, but just the, the discipline part of it, I think has probably helped the most. Sometimes that could be a bad thing. Uh, I work with a, a group of guys on the department. Out of 15 of us, there's only three that are prior military. So a lot of the younger guys coming in that, that haven't been there, they, uh, you know, they just don't, they just don't kind of understand how I operate from. I guess and just being in the military and being proud of of uh, what you've done and all. And some people, and it's not just the guys I work with. There's you know people in the United States that. They don't think much of the military, whereas others have uh, regards for it. But the way I operate, and then when you're dealing with people that haven't been in the military, it's just kind of a hard adjustment, probably for both sides, because they don't see where I'm coming from, and I just don't get where they're coming from. So you got that kind of disconnect. So what would you tell uh, kids? What would you tell the youth about uh, possibly joining the United States military? Well, being, I've been a school resource officer now out at Pioneer for, uh, this is my third year out there, and the recruiters will be in, and regardless of the branch that's there, uh, when I talk to the kids, you know, they'll they'll come up to me, and they'll have some of the handouts and stuff that they get from them, and 
I tell them regardless of what branch that they go into, they should look at something. They have something called open contract where basically you just sign up to go in and then they'll find a job for you. You know, I would never recommend that. There's over 300 jobs you can do in the military and to try and find something that you could transition to as a civilian if you got hurt, uh, you know, after your enlistment, if you didn't want to do it anymore, but to just kind of go in and roll the dice and see where they put you. If it's not something you want to do, then you're going to be miserable and it's going to reflect on, on what you're doing with the bad attitude. And, and it's just always better, obviously, to get something in writing and do what, what uh, you want to do. So if not the Marine Corps, which, uh, which branch would you have signed up for? I had no other choice um, in my head other than the Marine Corps. It was one of those things, all or nothing. Uh, we've always kind of uh, prided ourselves. You know, the Marine Corps has the longest boot camp. I feel uh, pretty confident that they have the, the toughest boot camp. And just as far as the camaraderie, the history, the, the legacy of it, uh, I wanted to prove something when I went through school. I just, you know, kind of slid through school, didn't really apply myself. And I thought, well, it's either the Marine Corps or nothing and see if I can make make it or not. So was it, uh, you know, did your upbringing, the way you were raised, help you out uh, mentally for the toughness of boot camp to get through it? A lot of it. My, uh, I'm, I'm the youngest of five. My older brother, he's eight years, almost eight years older than me, seven years. And uh, he'd actually went in, he was uh, in uh, avionics, uh, working on aircraft and stuff. But so with him going in, I was kind of familiar. We went down to his graduation uh, from boot camp. And uh, so I, I was kind of familiar with it a bit. And most of it, from what I was always told, it's just all the mental, as long as you're mentally prepared, the physical fitness part isn't all that tough. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, it's if you're not ready for it, it can be tough. But before I went in, uh, you know, I was working out and running that sort of thing. But uh, there were guys in boot camp that were in a lot better shape than I was, and they didn't have the mental. Uh, they weren't mentally prepared for it, and they were they they were the ones that inevitably would drop out and just want to go home. So, and that's why I tell a lot of the guys, you know, if you're going in the Marine Corps, you know, they're going to try and break you down. You're going to get through boot camp. They're going to be up in your face. It's all, it's mental. Just, you know, stick with it. And that's what they want. I mean, they don't want to get somebody in combat and something goes bad and, and you, you know, just panic. And, and that's what the Marine Corps basically does. I mean, they're raising warriors. The Army's pretty much the same. Most of the ground pounders, most of the ones going into combat's Army and Marine Corps. Of course, you've got the Navy who's got their ships for transportation. You've got the Air Force who's got the uh, air support. And, of course, the Army and Marine Corps has air support, tanks, all that sort of stuff too. But most of the ones on the ground, the boots on the ground fighting, it's going to be Army and Marine Corps. So they want the ones that are, you know, ready for it and have been prepared for it. So it's a lot of mental pretty much. So do you remain close with uh, people you serve with? Yeah, um, thanks to Facebook, it was hard back, you know, when I got out, they didn't have any of that stuff. And nowadays with, uh, you know, social media and even text messaging and keeping track of people before you had to write letters and send them off and wait for a reply or call long distance. And uh, I've got uh, friends, I've got one buddy out in Colorado, I've got one in Louisiana, I've got uh, one in North Carolina, they're kind of all over the United States that uh, we keep in touch uh, usually on Facebook with and we'll post things and, and check up on each other and just see how everybody's doing. So that's kind of nice. And like I said before, we do have a uh, reunion every five years. 
that Quantico puts together where they have like an open house and you get to go back in and they have the aircraft on display and, and uh, they have, uh, uh, you can pick up some souvenirs and they have a lunch and that sort of thing. And they make it a weekend. It's just the one day where they have the open house, but they'll have Friday, Saturday and Sunday, they'll have a whole weekend thing set up for uh, anybody that was there, whether you were a guard, a mechanic, crew chief, the pilots. Uh, so you kind of get to see the guys from the, the time you served. Do the stories get better as the years go on? A lot of it, it's kind of funny. You start reminiscing and it's, you, it's like, do you remember when we did this? Or do you remember when that happened? And you start uh, uh, start laughing about it. And it's, it's kind of funny. A lot of the ones with the, the, the spouses and the kids and all, I mean, they'll hear the stories, but uh, without them being there and they really don't get it. It's kind of the same thing. It's, I'm sure if you went to college and you were in a fraternity or if you hung out with a certain group of guys that, that, uh, you know, just the jokes that went on and the kind of things that went on, but there's definitely a camaraderie uh, about it. And, you know, the guys you served with that, that you remember and as they move on and everybody kind of, you know, life continues, uh, but it always kind of takes you back to, when you were 18, 19, 20 years old and some of the stuff that you, that you were able to do. So are you, and we talked a little bit about this in the, in the pre-pod, are you critical when you're watching maybe on TV, the, uh, the MPs, you know, in regards to anything you see on TV with the president, are you watching them and, and kind of judging them a little bit? Well, the one, uh, especially here with uh, a lot of times when President Trump would speak, he always had the, the, uh, we called them white tops because the helicopters had the white top on top. The other ones that they would use it at the base, uh, they were all green. They were green tops. So, but uh, Marine One, uh, any of the white tops are the executive side. So it seemed a lot in the backdrop. You'll see the helicopter and you'll see Air Force One a lot. So as far as that, most of the time they're pretty squared away. I mean, before you actually do a, a lift or a drop where you're there at the door with the president, you'll practice a lot. You'll do what they call backup aircraft that are carrying press and like senators and that sort of, of, of type. So you'll practice before you'll get up on that. But so the, on TV, most of the stuff's uh, pretty good as, as far as the, um, from the media. Now, if you're talking movies, that's a whole nother thing where some of the shows on TV that you're watching and, and they've got their uniforms, they're wearing parts of army and parts of Marine Corps and the ribbons, <laughs> the, the haircuts don't even, you know, wouldn't even get by. And, but that's a whole different story as far as with that. So some of the shows out there are kind of a little crazy. Do you miss it? Do you miss being a Marine? You know, it's, they got the thing, the grass is always greener type of thing. And, you know, who knows where things would have led. Um, not too many of the guys I served with stayed in. Some of them stayed in the reserves um, and had served out and did uh, 20 or 25 years. Most of the ones uh, had got out after that and some got into law enforcement. Some just got, uh, went home and got back into regular jobs. Um, you know, I had thought about reenlisting and I thought about getting into civilian law enforcement and some of the guys, they would, if they would uh, reenlist, they'd go and, and uh, go to another base for a while. And then with the clearance and with their experience, they'd come back as a, like a staff sergeant or a gunnery sergeant and have a little bit more seniority and be in charge of, of stuff instead of being the ones actually walking post and all. So that, you know, I kind of kicked it around. It's one of those things, but you, you look at the other side of it and in 20 years, you could have been hurt. You know, things could have happened and all where you might not even have made, made a full career. So, I mean, I don't regret it at all. Um, 
you know, sometimes I wish, you know, to have stayed in just to see where it would have, would have uh, brought me. Uh, but like I said, I mean, you can't look back and, and, uh, you know, think, well, what if this, what if that, I mean, it is what it is. And, and with my family and stuff that I have now, uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it. So I'm hoping I made the right decisions as I go. All right. Good stuff, John. Thank you very much for your service and thanks for being on the podcast. Hey, I appreciate you uh, doing this. And if this does uh, with, um, uh, Veterans Day on Wednesday, and for those that, that aren't aware of it, Tuesday, November 10th is the Marine Corps birthday, so a big shout out uh, to all the other uh, fellow jarheads that are out there, and there'll be uh, quite a few people celebrating. They have Marine Corps balls and all kinds of stuff that go on uh, over the weekend and during the week for it, so it's kind of neat with Veterans Day being the day after. So 245 years, uh, 10 November 1775, so that's something I always look forward to. Uh, a few of my buddies, we still get together every year and uh, celebrate regardless of uh, what day it is. Uh, we always do it on the Marine Corps birthday, so it gives us something to look forward to. Awesome. Thanks a lot, John. All right, Gabe. Thanks. Thanks a lot for listening to another episode of the Bases Loaded podcast, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bases Podcast.